Thanks for listening to Sex with Emily. On today's show, I'm talking about the stages all relationships go through, as well as how to navigate it, including in the bedroom. Topics include the five stages of a relationship and how to work through them all. What to do when you like giving oral, but it's becoming too much of an expectation. How to talk to your kids about puberty without it being painful or embarrassing for either of you. And having shower sex that actually feels good. All this and more. Thanks for listening. I know I talk a lot about sex toys for women, but not to worry, guys. Let me give you a helping hand. Well, actually, you're going to have to use your hand or your partner's hand. But let me tell you about the new Flesh Skin from Fleshlight. The Flesh Skin is a compact stroker unlike any other. It's open at both ends and has finger holes for the perfect grip. So whether you're using it on your own or letting your partner do the heavy lifting, it's the perfect addition to your bedroom activities. The combination of the comfortable grip, the ability to vary the pressure, and Fleshlight's ultra-realistic silicone will let you in on all the sex toy fun. Just grab some water-based lube and use the Flesh Skin to add a whole new range of sensations to your pleasure. Get a better grip with the Flesh Skin. Just visit sexwithemily.com slash Fleshlight. That's sexwithemily.com slash Fleshlight to order your Flesh Skin today. You got a boyfriend? Because uh, my man E here, he just got his heart broken. He thinks you're kind of cute. A girl's got to have her standards. Oh, my. Do women know about shrinkage? Isn't it common knowledge? What do you mean? Like laundry? It shrinks? Can we not talk about sex so much? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. I feel so good. Being bad feels pretty good. Well, you know, Emily's not the kind of girl you just play with. You're listening to Sex with Emily. We're talking about sex, relationships, and everything in between. Check out sexwithemily.com if you haven't already. Chock full of information to help you have better sex. You can find all our 14 years of podcasts there. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps us when you do subscribe. And we love getting your reviews on iTunes or wherever you listen. And also, if you've got SiriusXM Radio, check me out daily. I have a daily show there, which is so exciting, Monday through Friday, 5 to 7 Pacific, 8 to 10 East. It's on Stars Channel 109, and you can get a free trial at sexwithemily.com slash SXM. Find us on all social media, at Sex with Emily across the board. Isn't that easy? Love that. And um, yeah, that's what we got for you. I'm here with Jamie today. We're going to do some sex in the news. We're going to get into your emails. Mm-hmm. I love that we're at Sex with Emily everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Like we've had people on the show who are like, well, this one's that. And this is, I guess when you have a brand this long enough, you kind of nailed it. Yeah. Kind of can uh, nail all that down. I mean, it's just, it's cool because there is no other like sex with Emily. So you wouldn't have, like, it would suck if you had to do like sex with Emily like 52. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously we would pick 69. Hashtag, yeah. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And we would obviously pick 69. That's true. So that feels good as we head into our 14th year here. So let's talk a little bit about relationships here. I found this to be interesting. And this is something that, I even have to remind myself of when we get into relationships, I feel like we can all relate to the fact that we get bored in relationships after a while. We get yeah. tired of it. We look at the person and we're like, is it time to break up? And a lot of times we 
we give up on relationships when maybe there's a it's, we're just stuck at a stage of it that we haven't quite worked on yet because we all know we you know it's well documented the uh trajectory of like getting into a um the early stage like the honeymoon phase and and then it's not as great anymore and a lot of the emails and questions we get from listeners are like it was so great in the beginning and what do we do to get back to that which i understand that we all want to get back to that phase but i don't think you ever you're never going to get those that exact feeling back but you can find a way to keep that going but also get deeper in a relationship and not maybe giving up when you don't have to so let's just walk people through this and then you'll I think you're going to get what I'm talking about because I think it's just important to recognize that no relationships are perfect they're all going to take work whether it's like friends lovers parents I mean the relationships that you've really worked on like you ever notice the friends maybe that you've had an argument mm-hmm. with like you get stronger like Jamie and I'll have things in the office and we're like we'll battle it out and then we're like closer like we're not yeah you talk it through it's kind of like the when you know how like with your parents or whatever you can be so much more mean to your mom than to anyone else like I know that I like the things I've said to my mom and then like literally a minute later I'm like I'm hugging and I love you because it's like that's true like when you really love someone you do take the time to get past exactly those things and to work through them and that's how you make a deeper right that's what we're talking about like how do you go deeper but then still keep that love and lust going so this the first thing is the attraction phase so this is where we have the butterflies in our stomach and we literally are being controlled by all those excitement hormones the dopamine the serotonin um all those things um what is it dopamine oxytocin Oxytocin. thank you dopamine serotonin oxytocin you're literally this is the obsessed stage this is the people think it's love at first sight I believe in lust at first sight. Mm -hmm. I don't really believe in deep love at first sight. Lust can turn into love, sure. But this is when your physical and sexual attraction is at its peak. Everything's new. Your heart's racing. And you're really drawn to this person. You're seeing them all the time. And this Mm -hmm. is the stuff that we crave. And this is all. This is when it's really fun. That's probably when we're... bringing our best selves like we're like pretending like we don't have any flaws and like we're leaving all of our shit and baggage at the door if we can some people are or just can't do that yeah you know no but right exactly like we look our best we make efforts all the time and we just can't imagine this person can do no wrong so that's the first stage and then we move into the romantic stage and this is more of that euphoria this is this is the stage that we often say love is blind your endorphins level are just spiked you feel like this peace you feel security you just feel like this person is everything you can see no wrong i believe this stage can be very delusional because i often say when love is blind when love is blind it means that you can't see the red flags at all you Mm. can't see them because you're so into this person and you have you make a lot of assumptions this stage is known as like the assumption stage we're assuming that this person's gonna remain this way or that we just or maybe we see a red flag and we assume like oh that's not like a an actual trait of theirs it's just something that happened exactly once, you know? we, we don't assign meaning to any of it we're just like oh yeah well he's not usually late or she's not usually drinks this much or mm-hmm. wh- whatever it is we just think you know we assume it'll always be this way and yeah we discount it so these two stages are gems I love these stages. I wish we could say them forever, but we can't. And then we go to the third stage. This is the intellectual stage. 
the attraction's still there, but we're like, are we compatible on an intellectual level? Can we, can we, we see everything now in the relationship and this is when, you know, maybe the romance has started to wear off and I can pinpoint this in my relationship. It's the first time you don't have sex really when you see each other. It's the first time you're like, I'm just going to wear sweats. Oh, that's a really good marker. Yeah. This is when we're like, you don't even, you fall asleep without having sex. I'm like, oh, here we are. Yeah. Oh, wow. It just like was like a light bulb in my head. (laughs) Yeah. It's also called the irrational stage because we just get so irritated. We get frustrated. You know, we might even look at our partner and say this, that these things can't work. Like we conclude that we have no future together because all of a sudden there's problems where there were no problems. So it is irrational because I think this is where we also assume that we still believe that relationships should be perfect Mm -hmm. and that there shouldn't be problems and we don't and if there are flaws we don't really know how to work on them and so I think this is the most difficult stage of the relationship because you have to actually know how to compromise how to sacrifice how to really even stick with the relationship at this phase to see if it can go the distance and you know it's it's a challenge because it's so much easier to leave than to stay It's so easy Mm -hmm. to walk away from a situation that feels hard than to say, do I want to put the work in? So would you say this is the relation, the stage that most people like if they this is like the main stage, they would probably break up? Yeah, this is when relationships end. This is when I believe that we are not equipped with the skills of communication, compromise. And yeah, we, we, we bail. We would say like, if this is just hard, I'm seeing that they're they never listen to my needs. They're always all about themselves. They're super selfish. I do everything for them. They never buy me gifts. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting love how I want to. And we don't talk about it. And I think this is also the stage where we're like, why aren't they mind readers? What? And we might carry that on to many stages, mm. but why don't they know everything? And so I think it is difficult because you have to know these skills. You have to be able to look beyond that and go, oh, mm. maybe these are things that we can deal with. And then you have to have the skills of communication. Like, how do I actually talk to my partner about these things to see if we can go forward mm. without getting stuck in resentments? So, so this you, would be the resentment stage kind of. Like yeah. if when they start to really develop yeah do you think that people nowadays more so are less willing to put in this hard work yes i really do i think that i think that back in the day we would just skip from you know the first two phases into marriage and then you might get stuck and then you'd stay with someone for a long time and you just get stuck at this stage always not realizing that you can get past these things you can get past it and so yeah i think that people get stuck but now i think that people are delaying marriage there's a lot of other opportunities you got dating apps you got social media you can always meet someone else who seems shinier and brighter but people don't realize that every stage is going to go through this relationship like every stage will so if you don't learn in this relationship that you're in to deal with them you're going to have to deal with it in another relationship i'm not saying you should stick with someone who's completely wrong for you if it's abusive if they've already decided there's things you can't get past but just know this is i mean i i could look back at my many of my long-term relationships and i certainly bailed at the intellectual phase it Mm -hmm. died down and i told myself and this is true still i didn't want a long-term thing i was in my 20s 30s i wasn't looking for it i didn't really want to work on things but here's some common things in this in this intellectual stage are insecurities you might realize there's some abuse you might feel really insecure like or have inferiority or feel superior to your partner you might Mm -hmm. think i'm way better than they are um you might be you know you just might feel like uh 
it's just not going to write you talk yourself out of it at this stage so so you come up with all these excuses and things that like wouldn't work and more maybe that would work but in your mind you're like no like i'm not right you make decisions like oh i'm not into this person she she does all these things that are wrong like she's because I've heard this and I've done this. I've heard people say, well, she's this, this, and that. And I was, now I know. I'm like, well, those are actually things you could work on. I think this is a great time to go into therapy if you're with someone. Because the reason why we don't, or you might be an excellent communicator, but most of us do not know how to have the conversations to to kind of work things through in this phase. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, um, yeah, this is what happens. But think about this. I wonder if this is resonating with people. Like, can I actually work on it this is when we're having insecurities maybe we're feeling threatened or jealous so this is where you might want to settle and see like maybe we could go talk to someone and figure out we could there's kind of like an unease maybe just because there is this deeper connection or this deeper feeling like maybe you don't even have that many issues but you're just getting freaked out because you're like this is real like real real exactly this is when it gets real and you're like no but i want something perfect and i think this is when the grass is always greener thing pumps Mm. gets up to you're like everyone else seems so much better it's so much better to be single and it's so much better to i I don't want to deal with this problem right now i don't want any headaches i want everything to go smooth and this person's making my life more upset and more hectic so if you can kind of recognize that you're really going to get to this in every relationship you know there are some tools that you could learn to and if it's not therapy you can also you know develop the skills to talk about it or to just learn to appreciate the things you do like about your partner at this phase but if you get through this phase you're going to move into the acceptance phase and this is where you truly learn to make adjustments, to compromise, and accommodate. Like, the, realize that, yes, my partner has these flaws. They're inadequate in this way. They're really messy. They don't mm-hmm. often appreciate me. They are workaholics. And, you know, and this is when you're like, okay, can I accept that this is my partner's flaws? Because mm-hmm. we all have them. And help them become a better person. Like, if you want to be with someone that you actually are invested in like helping them be be a better person and they are doing that for you as well. Like they see your flaws and then they support you in them. Mm-hmm. Like if you've got a time management issue, they help you talk it through. They're not getting mad at you for it. Or if you both have differing degrees that you'd like to go out at night, then you make, you know, you're just talking through things at the stage and you're working on it and you're dealing with reality. You're splitting up household responsibilities. If you have children, you're deciding how to be better parents together this is like when you're like accepting it like there's not surprises but you're like i know this and then we're gonna deal with it because this is someone i've chosen yeah so if you like some say you have a partner that's just like super forgetful instead of like getting mad at them every time they forget like a a date or a plan or i don't know like even if it was like something you just told them yesterday instead of getting mad kind of being like okay i'm gonna be the one that has to be the reminder i'm gonna be the one that has to make like even if it sounds naggy hey i'm just reminding you because then this yeah this reminds me of our lisa bilyeu episode which people like she's been on two shows now and she talks about how she literally sat down with her with her husband they've been together now 20 years but they were like who what's our responsibilities in the relationship like who's taking care of what what do you need help with and then you update this whenever you need to but like what was it with her like she is going to deal with 
she was more of like the producer in the relationship and he was mm-hmm. sort of like the had the vision for things mm-hmm. how things would happen and she was more of the executor and they were okay with it because they parsed out the responsibilities like you just you're not constantly frustrated like why didn't my partner help again with the dishes which is really common I use that as an example but it, it comes up all the time like I'm always the one doing and we, that's when we start to carry resentments rather than saying okay here's where it's at even if you've talked about it already because mm-hmm. just saying help me more with these tasks around the house or supporting me when my you know a parent died or something happens isn't going to work but having a bigger picture for how you you both should be contributing to the relationship to make it healthy that is the mature oh we didn't get there yet that's the so that's how you you're you're accepting yeah you're making like a conscious like point in your mind that these, this is my partner. There are, those are the things that I'm not going to be able to change. So how do I work? How with do you that? work with them? Exactly. And then we move into the maturity phase. I don't think I've ever been there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I've been there either. So you know, we have to abandon unrealistic expectations and unhealthy expectations of ourselves and others. And this is when you realize that love is more than a feeling. Then I just love this person. They're your family. You accept them. You respect the differences. You accommodate them. You might even overlook things in a healthy way. You're like, that's just my partner and I can deal with it. And a lot of times relationships don't make it past the, you know, like I said, the intellectual stage. And so I think that you just got to figure out, like if you're in the mature stage, like you are just, you know, you you learn to make yourself a priority. This is the other thing. We lose ourselves in relationships. And in the mature stage, you've got a lot of this sorted out. And then you, I think you come back to yourself again and you're like where you learn to kind of self-love taking care of yourself and you make yourself a priority and then you just see and then you see that your differences actually become your strengths like you've learned that your partners the things that maybe have been a problem in the past are now this really beautiful thing that you a beautiful union that you've created that actually works really well together so would you say maybe if you got to this mature stage and then you go back to yourself and who you are it's because you're you feel so secure in your relationship yeah. do you kind of somehow is this do you think you would go back through the stages after the fifth stage well, I think in a, it's a, like a little bit yeah well that's really great because I believe that if you get into this fifth stage you you still are gonna it's not perfect it's not like you're ripping each other's clothes off still but this is when a lot of you you know we need to all work on spicing up your your sex life by mm. making it you know varying it talking about your sex life don't expecting intimacy just to happen like implementing intimacy are we gonna have a date night are we going to try something new together are we going to give each other massages are we going to make sure that we're still connecting and touching and and yeah i think you always have to infuse your relationship with because the maturity phase sounds like you're sitting around just kind of chilling and comfortable and this is where you could also fall into being best friends so i think throughout all these phases you got to keep prioritizing sex and knowing that and I think by the time you get here, nothing's perfect. Mm. Um, and also the appreciation is important. So if you're still struggling, and this is, goes for any stage, if you're in that super, maybe you're in the, the stage where you both, uh, where do you mostly break up? In the intellectual, intellectual stage. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're even in the intellectual stage, this happens in all of them, but what do you appreciate about your partner? If you're in this nagging, everything's frustrating, you can't stand the way they chew their food, when you stop for a moment <laughs> and you're like, 
what do I appreciate about them? We had that great caller on the on the serious show who called mm-hmm. in and said, thank you for telling me that because my wife, 25 years, I realized that every day I was coming home and frustrated because it was so messy in the house and she was leaving piles. And then for like a week, I just started thinking about all the things I love about her and I appreciate about her. And then he was like, and then he like, remember he sprinkled rose petals up the stairs yeah, and made a bath, bath for her. <sighs> and so then she sweet. realized that, that she was feeling appreciated and then she appreciated him, right? This work. So you cultivate that habit of appreciating your partner on a daily basis. And I love this quote here. What you appreciate, appreciates. What you take for granted, gets taken. Ooh. That's a really powerful. Those are really, I love that. We should put that on the Instagram. We should. At, yeah, right? At Sex with Emily. I like that. <laughs> what you appreciate, appreciates. What you take for granted, gets taken for granted. It's really as simple as that. Yeah. And someone else might you know, that appreciate your partner in ways that you don't. So I think there's always something to appreciate. And that is a really, there's a lot of talk today around us being grateful and being appreciative for what you do have because our our, our brains have the negativity bias, which mm-hmm. is a real thing that we are, you know, trained to be negative in the sense of what's wrong with my environment so I can feel safe, like from mm-hmm. our ancestors. But I think that learning to just appreciate is and it can feel hard and uncomfortable at first but the more you get into that practice it's just it becomes a lot easier seeing like what i have to be grateful for rather than getting caught up in a tailspin of what's wrong yeah that reminds me of this this tweet that i saw where it was like imagine your life like everything in your relationship is perfect everything's going right with your job everything like you don't have to worry about money like everything's going well would you just actually be happy or would you just somehow still create new things to be upset about i think we create new things to and, be upset about. <laughs> yeah no exactly and it's like i think it's it's a it's unfortunate and kind of messed up that that's our human nature is, is to be like unsatisfied right it is it is but uh, but even knowing that is so huge like i even joke now well first of all if i a helpful exercise which i do as well and you guys should look at this now too are you somewhere in your life right now that you didn't even think you'd be five years ago you probably are like maybe you've got that job you wanted, that relationship you wanted, you bought something you wanted, you know, like, and we get there and we constantly keep reaching for the next thing rather than go, oh, wow, I'm pretty great. I never thought I would be here. Like I wanted a serious XM show forever. I thought that would be amazing to have a five day a week show for 14 years. And now I have it. Am I frustrated about a lot of things in my life lately? Yes. But when I stop and go, this is a goddamn dream, I'm really grateful. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move into some emails. Mm-hmm. Shall we? Okay, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into your emails. You know that I'm all about having a healthy masturbation practice because we all deserve pleasure on the regular. One of the best parts of my job is when you get over whatever's holding you back from trying something new, you listen to my advice and realize how much pleasure and fun sex toys can really be. So let me tell you about Plus One. Plus One is a new brand that's committed to making sex toys more accessible. So what do I mean by that? Well, how about a collection of quality toys that sell for $30 or less? I know, I didn't believe it either until I tried them. And trust me, these aren't cheap vibrators that lack quality. You know me better than that. These are rechargeable, multifunction vibrators made from safe silicone. Plus One makes four models, a bullet, a rabbit, a clitoral vibe, and a penis ring. They're covering all the basics. Again, each with a price tag of $30 or less. These are great options, whether it's your first toy or you're just adding it to your collection. Oh, and you know what else blew my mind? You can get them all at Walmart. Yes, Plus One toys are available in tons of Walmart stores 
all over the country and even online. But you can learn more about them right now by going to sexwithemily.com slash plus one. That's sexwithemily.com slash P-L-U-S-O-N-E. So a while back, Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick from the Skinny Confidential podcast were in here as guests on the show, and we instantly bonded over two of my favorite things, podcasting and lube. So they told me they'd been working on an all-natural coconut oil-based lube that they asked if I wanted to try. I mean, duh, of course. So they sent me some, and oh my God, I was blown away. This is literally the smoothest and greatest smelling oil-based lube I've ever tried. It's called Woo More Play Coconut Love Oil. And I'm telling you, I've literally been dying to introduce this stuff to you. I'm happy to say that Woo is now an official part of the Sex with Emily family. Let me get into why Woo More Play is so amazing. First off, they start with organic virgin coconut oil. And the only other ingredients are vanilla essence, beeswax, and stevia. That's it. No synthetics, nothing. And if that feeling and taste weren't enough to make you want to try it, Woo's coconut oil is naturally rich in antioxidants, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, antifungal, and the beeswax is there to soften your skin. And I'm telling you guys, after you use this lube, you don't have to like wipe anything off. Like some lubes can become sticky, but your skin gets so soft after it. And the vanilla and stevia, they round things out and it has this super sensual taste and scent. I have to say, it's like the perfect storm of lube ingredients. It's amazing. So you know I'm a lube connoisseur, so you can trust me here. Woo is the real deal. To try it for yourself, just go to WooMorePlay.com and enter code EMILY to save 15%. That's W-O-O-M-O-R-E-P-L-A-Y.com and use code EMILY. I am so excited to let you know you can now hear Sex with Emily live five days a week on Sirius XM Radio. You'll find me on Stars Channel 109 Monday through Friday at 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. But don't worry, the podcast is staying right here. My brand new radio show will have everything you love about Sex with Emily and more because every day I'll be interviewing guests, sharing the latest news, and my favorite part, taking your calls live on the air two hours every weekday. If you're a SiriusXM subscriber, you already know how great it is. If you never tried it, get a free trial for 30 days. Just go to sexwithemily.com slash SXM. That's sexwithemily.com slash SXM today to try SiriusXM for yourself. See you there. All right, here is the fun part. Oh, it's all fun though, isn't it? I uh, love answering your questions. If you have a question you want answered on the show, go to sexwithemily.com, click the Ask Emily tab, fill out the form, and put yes if you'd like to be called. You can also email feedback at sexwithemily.com. As always, include your name, your age, where you live, and how you listen to the show. Okay, Jamie, read these for our, our wonderful listeners. Okay, we have James, who's 31 in Illinois, and he writes, Hello. My wife and I keep running into the same issue in our sex life. I absolutely love her breasts and want to play, kiss, etc. on them. The problem is that we've had three kids in five years, all of whom who have nursed. Since then, her nipples have gotten extremely sensitive to where I can't ever touch them. She hasn't nursed in about a year, and I think part of it is she just doesn't want anyone touching them anymore, but part is definitely them being sensitive. Is there anything we can help or a method to bring it back to a pleasurable sensation for her. Thank you so much for your help. Mm, it's a really good question. Wow, three kids in five years, you guys have been busy, James. So I think that there's two things going on here. They truly might be sensitive, like your body changes after childbirth and having three kids nursing on your on your breasts. 
there is a certain sensitivity and then there's also a certain association that she just thinks anything comes near my breast must protect must stop it's gonna hurt so that pleasure has sort of dissipated over time so here's some things that she can do she can put cool compresses on it she could add cocoa butter anything to soothe the area will help and this might be like a daily practice something that she does and maybe you could help her at night just like bring the compress remember the cocoa butter and also I think CBD oil would be really helpful and we have a few new sponsors that people can check out Foria, Foria mm-hmm. would be amazing and Foria, I think you could put Foria, Foria on your nipples yeah. I, I'm rubbing my nipples as I'm telling you right like <laughs> imagining it but I'm telling you guys CBD is a miracle for a lot of things and I think you could it would help with that too and I also think um, talking to her about it and, and letting her know that you just want her to feel that pleasure again less making it about you you know James and more about like let's work on this together to try to get you back to that pleasurable spot because I promise you and you can tell her that I said this she will get back to that place Mm -hmm. she will and so especially if she wants to so just be gentle like I said add these things to her breasts you can also use some lube on her nipples and just start blowing on it like get her used to being stimulated again maybe without touching but it's some blowing sensations and maybe it's not so much the nipples, but maybe like the areas around the breast could be massaged, like her, like the up bottom and below mm-hmm. it can feel great just to be caressed on the underside of the breasts. I'm telling you, there's a lot of places on the breast that feel great besides the nipples. And then work your way up, like light kisses and go slow and then just ask her how she's feeling. So I think that knowing that she she has a plan to get there and you're not just gonna go on and grab her breast and hurt her, obviously you're not intentionally, mm-hmm. but that you have guys have a plan together to get her back to that spot with gentle caresses and slowing things down could really help her out. Okay. All right. That is a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids. And I mean, in five years, it's like, yeah, I mean, good, happy family, but exactly. <laughs> okay. Three kids under the age of five. Yeah. Ooh. That's a lot. All right. So this is from Heather, twenty-three in Utah. She writes, "Hi Emily. My whole life, I've been attracted to both sexes. I hooked up with a girl about two years ago on a work trip. We were both drunk. She initiated everything, and I had a great time, and I loved it. So I'm trying to start dating women instead of men for now, but I." don't know where to start i get nervous around females how do i start moving past this and becoming part of the gay community i have no problems with what society thinks of this by the way it's more like i'm a newbie who needs to work on breaking out of her bubble this is a great question and i love heather that you that you said that you're not worried about you know what society thinks or your family because then then we just can go move forward here Mm -hmm. with like i love that you know that you want to start exploring this and just think of it like um like dating like dating can be nerve-wracking whether you're dating someone of the same sex or opposite sex talk to people how you would a new friend that you meet you know like how would you connect with someone that you have an interest in even becoming friends with so you know ask them their interests ask them questions people like talking about themselves and so you might just you know need to take an initiative on asking women out but also I think it's really helpful to get involved in the gay community I mean you live in Utah I'm sure that there's like gay meetups or there's events in your community that that you could find places to start and maybe it would be great to just have friends in the gay community that are not romantic interests so that's when it's really helpful just to remember that those nerves that you have right now approaching women is because it's new. You probably forget this. Maybe when you were young and in high school or middle school, you got that, had that feeling 
towards maybe boys if you were into boys then. And so it's the same it's the same kind of thing, but after you do it over time, it is going to get easier and it's like a muscle. Like I said, so practicing talking and maybe just seeing what happens taking the pressure off that you got to meet that woman right now but just getting involved in the community and being yourself and letting people know who you are and that you're available and interested I think that the more you get comfortable with that the less anxiety and discomfort you're going to feel about approaching women Mm -hmm. yeah all right okay this next one is from grace who's 33 in kentucky she writes dear emily my 11 year old daughter is nearing puberty i've already discussed starting her period with her in detail what it is what will happen to her body how she will feel how to use pads and tampons etc she hasn't started her period yet but i'm sure she will soon i'm wondering now when i should have a sex talk with her i just want to be open and honest with my children but i don't want to have this talk too soon or in the wrong way i know the talk should be just basic at this age but i don't really know how or when to bring it up and i want to do it in a way that she doesn't feel awkward or embarrassed any tips or suggestions would be greatly appreciated thank you Thank you for this question, Grace. I love that you want to meet your daughter and and help her figure this stuff out because there's not a lot of information out there for our daughters or our sons. So I think it's important to meet her where she's at, like explain to her what her period is. Maybe you could create like a... um, like a period kit that she could bring to school in case she gets it. It has like a pad in it and an extra pair of underwear and just let her know that this could happen and she could like keep it in her locker at school. So I think it's important just to let her know what to expect and that and also like I I get that this isn't that comfortable for parents to really talk about this stuff but I do think it's important to to let her know you said you talked about how she's going to feel but let her know about the hormones and how emotions could fluctuate and her moods could change and and I think like puberty like the, the specific changes she can expect in her bodies and the hormonal changes I mean I think it's important to explain that it means that that her body's becoming a woman that she's able to get pregnant and mm-hmm. I think this is the age where you got to start just answering those questions and giving facts, you know, to to this because otherwise it doesn't make sense. I think if you're just saying now your body's becoming a woman, I didn't know what that meant. My mom, everyone's like, you're a woman. Like my mom, like it wasn't a big deal. I came home. I'm like, mom, I got my period. She like tossed a tampon across the room. I was like, figure it out. Like that wasn't helpful either. It's important to start talking about sexuality, that human sexuality is a part, a natural part of life. And... And how be, certain behavior can be seen as sexual and that healthy sexual, just about healthy sexual relationships and about, I think it's really important to talk about masturbation at this point that she might start having feelings that mm-hmm. of, of arousal or things could happen in school and, you know, that healthy sexual relationships are built on trust. I mean, I know it's a very young age and this is always a tricky question because a lot of parents aren't comfortable either. Like mm. a lot of parents have never even talked about these things. And I wish I had like a great, my favorite book to tell you about this subject or because I do think there should be a great app for kids to navigate with their parents. I know that Scarletine is a great site for a lot of parents mm-hmm. to use with kids. And so I think that you should definitely answer any questions she asks, but also, like I said, prepare her for a period, let her know what it means, and then you could just lay down the basics and then and then answer questions as she has them. But I would say, Grace, if you have the energy for this, and I hope you do, even if your daughter's frustrated by it, it's not a one-time conversation. It's ongoing conversation because things might come up in school like a boy kissed me what does that mean or I heard so and so is happening or you might hear from other parents that things are happening so I think you got to just keep you know bringing it up find out what they're planning on Mm -hmm. teaching in school yeah and 
I mean, maybe, would you say, this is something I just thought of, would you say that since she's kind of younger, because friends are going to talk about things, do you tell her, don't pass this information along, or how is there a way to, like, talking with, because she's going to go to her friends and talk to her friends, but then what if the parents are like, how could you talk to your... Yeah, I think you just got to, like... I think that you should... You tell her like to use discretion? Tell her to use discretion. I think it's important that her body is herself, hers. Don't let anyone inappropriately touch her body. And that it's a conversation between them. If she hears anything that, that confuses her, that she should come to her and ask questions. I mean, and I think a lot of kids are embarrassed about it at this mm-hmm. point, but I think letting her know that you're a safe space and like repeating her over and over again. Like what my mom did, she was like, if you have any questions, ask me. And that was like the end of the conversation. But I know nowadays, a lot of my friends with young kids are bringing it up all the time and making them feel very safe and letting them know. I mean, the most important thing is letting her know that sexuality is nothing to be ashamed of. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's an ongoing conversation. And you can also use everyday events to talk and take advantage of like very teachable moments. Like if things happen, like this is a great moment to kind of a springboard to explain to her what it means. And don't, I don't think that you have to lie or withhold information. If they don't get something, have them ask clarifying questions. So I think the more normal you make sex, the more you're setting in sexuality, the more normal your child is going to feel about it. So Mm. I think um, that that's really important. And also for parents, Grace, for yourself, making sure that you get your facts from really good sources of information and that you know the proper names of body parts and functions and, and thinking about your own values and the things that you believe to be true and, you know, making sure that you're not shutting them down or saying it's really bad or saying you should only wait till you're married to have sex or sex is a bad thing. I just think it's important to talk about like, you know, that it's normal, that it's healthy, but that, you know, and consent that no one should touch your body mm-hmm. without her. You know, it's all these things as they come up. But I think it'd be great for you, Grace, too, to continue to study along the way with her and like talk to other parents, see what they're doing and just be informed about what they're offering in the schools and, you know, stay aware of it. Because now with like they all have their own phones and they're online mm-hmm. and they're seeing porn. And so I think more than ever, it's important to make this be a part of a, of a conversation that's going from now until she leaves your home. Until she's 18. Parents have to make sure they're on top of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. This next one is from Anne, 42 in Texas. She writes, hi, Emily. I'm having the best sex of my life. Ooh, go her. I love it. My high school sweetheart and I both went through divorce, and we are now one year into reuniting. Our sex life is on fire. I wasn't having orgasms during my marriage unless they were on my own or with a toy. That's another story. Now I'm having orgasms every time and usually two or three. Amazing. Anyway, getting to the point, my boyfriend loves when I go down on him. In fact, maybe he's addicted. I like to do it, but he seems to expect that I will do it every time we have sex and we have sex a lot. I don't want to deny him and it's not an awful task that I hate, but I just don't want to do it every time we have sex. Is that reasonable? How can I maybe do it a little less without hurting his feelings or making him think I don't like it? Yes, he also goes down on me, but not every time, and I don't expect it every time. Thanks for reading my question. I discovered you about two years ago, and even though it was pretty sexually explorative, you've revolutionized my sex life. You rock. Oh, thank you. And I'm so glad you found the show, and I love that you've reunited with your high school sweetheart and are having amazing orgasms. You're clearly in those fun phases right now that we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. which is great. Okay, I I really love this question because I think that that a lot of us just kind of would get frustrated and keep doing what our partner wants and then have resentments. But I think that maybe you're assuming that he wants it every time. 
Because maybe he's like thrusting his penis towards you or and it might be habitual for him just to do that, to get him hard. But, you know, there's a lot of other ways to get him aroused. You could use your hand. You could use some lube. I'm telling you, you put some few drops of lube on your hand or on his penis and you just grab it and not grab it, but, you know, you hold on to his penis and get him hard that way. I think that's going to be cool. I think there's a lot of different ways that you could get him aroused without giving a blowjob every single time. So this is a conversation you have with him about your sex life outside the bedroom. Clearly, you're both having amazing sex and just say, you know, I'm not sure that I could, I'm not feeling great about every single time giving you a blowjob, though I love sucking you. It feels great. But I, uh, let's play with some other ways to get you aroused. Like, I think that's how you say it to him. And then you could also let him know there what you need because he's not going down on you every time. But sometimes I find like for me, I've had to figure out if my partner doesn't go down to me or I'm not stimulated, I I don't want to have, I'm not going to have an orgasm. And I found like a lot of times I've just had sex and then I'm not, I'm disappointed. So I've had to figure out like, well, I'm going to get my toy if that's not happening, or I'm going to make sure that there's enough lube and that I'm touching myself because the truth is most women do not have orgasms from penetration. And, and if they do, you know, there has to be some arousal first. So I think it's really just, this could be a great time for you guys. You're a year in to really just have the conversations and you're probably going to discover some other ways to really turn each other on. And it's not going to just be about blowjobs. Awesome. Thanks for the question. Okay. And this last one comes to us from Adam 25 in Australia. He writes, hi, Emily. Every time I try to have sex in the shower with my partner, I always have trouble trying to penetrate when the shower is running. We usually have to turn the water off or we try until she becomes upset because she thinks it's her fault. Is this normal or do you have any tricks or tips to help? Thank you. Okay, so Adam, um, love shower sex. Here's the thing about shower sex is that it sounds so great. We all think it's on paper, but then you actually implement it and there's a lot of problems with shower sex. First one is that we make assumptions um, that, hey, it's wet. It's going to be wet enough. It's going to be easier to penetrate because, hey, water, wet, lubricant. But actually, we get drier in the shower. We get drier in pools and hot tubs. Um, water is not a lubricant. So you need to bring lube into the shower. Silicone lube is great. It lasts longer and go, won't get washed away by the water. Um I think it's important to just let her know that it's not about her. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I think if you bring lube in, maybe some toys we love, like, in fact, Sports Sheets makes a line of toys called Sex in the Shower. You mm-hmm. go to sextheemily.com and check out the Sex in the Shower line. They have like a vibrating loofah. It's actually a loofah that has a little vibrator. They even have some, the Sex in the Shower uh, bar and a step that you, it's a suction that fits on some showers that you could actually put your foot on and handhold so you're safe because the thing with shower sex is, the other problem is is that it can be dangerous. You could slip and fall and, you know, all these things. So another great position for her in the shower so she doesn't fall is to is to bend over, is for her to bend over and then hold anchor her hands around her ankles so she's bent over but she's stabilizing herself with her hands around her ankles. So her head is like looking through her legs and then you could penetrate her from behind. That's a great shower position so it's not slippery and then she's anchored and that just brings some lube in. Those are my tricks. Those should work for you just fine. Mm-hmm. Again, let her know it's not her fault and then you guys can have some fabulous shower sex. Shouldn't we all? All right, guys. Thanks for the show. Thank you, producer Jamie. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everyone, for your questions and your emails. And so great to be with you again in this new year. We'd love to hear from you. What are you guys looking for on the shows this year? I love your suggestions. Um, thanks, everyone. Thanks to my amazing team, Ken, Samantha, intern Michelle, producer Jamie, our editor Michael. 
Hey, was it good for you? Email me, feedback at sexwithemily.com. Here's a listener email I recently received, and let me tell you, it's not the only one of its kind. Hi, Emily. I'm a 38-year-old single mom who wants to get back on the dating scene, but I'm terrified. I've been dealing with bladder leakage and actually started wearing pads every day just to be safe. Between the leaking and the pads, I'm totally insecure about spontaneous intimacy with a new partner. How can I move past this? Well, first, let me tell you that she's not alone. It's actually estimated that 40 million women use pads every day for bladder leaks. Young, old, with, without kids. But let me tell you, there's nothing to be ashamed of. There are solutions though, and it's not just pads. The Apex by Pormois is an affordable device that uses gentle electrostimulation to create an extremely effective Kegel workout automatically. Not only does a strong pelvic floor help prevent the old sneeze and pee situation, it can increase the strength and frequency of your orgasms, which should also help make you want to get intimate again. Similar to the intensity that I've spoken about for years, the Apex delivers the same results without the rabbit vibrator functions, making it the perfect option for women who are sensitive to stimulation. To start using an Apex and stop relying on pads, visit pourmoi.com slash emily. That's P-O-U-R-M-O-I dot com slash Emily.